0: You know, as we get into this series today, um, halftime, it made me obviously think of things like college football, which aren't we all hoping, or at least most of us hoping, happens this fall? I'm an Ohio State fan, which is not hard to do in our uh, part of the woods, Um, and I realized that Ohio State is playing Alabama in a couple years, and as I thought about this, I I thought about just this amazing game that happened in 2018 between Alabama and Georgia for the College National Football Championship. If you remember that game, they were playing, and Georgia is just thoroughly spanking Alabama, which some of us rejoiced in, right? And it got to halftime, and Coach Nick Saban, you know he gets in his you know team locker room and he makes this bold courageous move and he decides to pull his starting all-star all-conference quarterback out of the game Jalen Hurt and he puts in the second string guy named Tua I mean it was a, a radical move that doesn't make any sense on paper and if you're watching the game you thought this isn't going to work and the second string quarterback Tua he comes in and he leads Alabama back to the championship and they win the game over Georgia the fam- fans go crazy, the place goes crazy, and it goes down in history as one of the great coaching moves at all the time. And Alabama wins another national championship as a football team, which proves that we live in a broken, sinful world that Alabama wins that much. That's another message at another time. But I got to thinking about that game, and I thought about them getting to halftime. And at halftime, I'm just guessing that they made sure they did all the refueling that they possibly could, drink their Gatorade, eat their power bars, rest up, trying to catch their breath. And then they took a moment at halftime to reflect, to look back on what happened at the game, and then to do some assessments on where the game was going wrong. It's just what good coaches do you know, in football, basketball, any, really any part of life to assess what's happened. And then they obviously made adjustments. We're gonna throw the ball more, we're gonna play better defense, we're gonna run the ball differently. You assess stuff so you can make those adjustments in the best possible way. And then I'm just guessing that Coach Saban got in front of his team and he was as inspiring as he possibly could be. I don't know if he threatened them, if he encouraged them, but they came out with a whole new game plan ready to play and they won now the reason i thought about that is at halftime everything changed in that game and for us we're at the halftime moment of the year i mean we're almost six months in it's almost july 1st which is hard to believe and we're halfway through the year and i thought why don't we just take a couple weeks in fact the next three weeks and talk about what halftime could look like for you and for me, no matter what area of life you're coming from, no matter where faith is for you, halftime's really important because we get to restructure our lives. So to get us going in that, I just want to ask you a question. Is Do you remember January? Do you remember January? If you were here, we decided as individuals to set some goals in our life as a church. We decided we wanted to figure out some things around our lives. And I use this illustration of Marbles. And this was the idea. If you want to set a goal in your health life, that you would just simply start making incremental changes every day to exercise, to eat right, to do the right things, and to move in the right direction. Now, we said it's really important to take steps, you know, for exercise and health purposes. Some of us, maybe me, have put on a few pounds over the whole quarantine thing. And what I realize is I'm not gonna get rid of all those pounds in a week. But if I take consistent, Every day I'm going to walk, I'm going to eat right, exercise, it'll move me in the right direction. Now, for some of you, you're remembering right now, if you were around in January, that, oh yeah, I said I was going to do that in a specific area of my life. And maybe you chose a relationship area, your spiritual journey, your business journey, maybe it was your own personal finances, and you were just going to make simple everyday changes to move you in a better direction. And it's dawned on you that you forgot about all you'd committed to do. Now, just so you know, this message is not about making you feel guilty about forgetting. This is about reminding us that we can move in a better direction. And my guess is if you'd set some goals and you forgot about them, or you moved away from them, you hit some resistance. Some things happened in your world that threw you off track. Now, we know this because we learned something from the great philosopher, Mike Tyson. When Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Isn't that true? And I I love that thing, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm gonna do, and then you get punched in the face, you know, either figuratively or literally, and it changes the course of your direction. And I, I know this, in this season that we've been in over the last six months, there's been a lot of punches in the face to all of us. Some of it, you know, socially, some of it as a culture, but you also have your own individual things that may have thrown you off track from going in the direction that you wanted to go and who you wanted to be. No guilt no shame we just want you to know that it is half time it is halfway through the year and it is not too late to finish strong the year is not up we got six months to figure out how can we retool and go in a better direction how right now over the next couple weeks can we refuel and think about how to fill our tanks up and how to remember the dreams that God put in our lives. There are dreams that God has for you, I'm telling you, that are bigger than you ever imagined. What if we could grab onto that and refuel and reflect to look back over the last six months and go, okay, there's some stumbling things I did, some things I should have done differently, and I need to you know, work through all that. And then assess, how could I do it differently And then make adjustments. Okay, this is what I wanted to do. I didn't do them, but now I'm going to put those things back into place. And hopefully you're here and on your your way out by the time we're done, um, you feel like there's been some inspiration from me, from the stories of Scripture, but ultimately from your Heavenly Father who is cheering you on like no one else. And what I hope at this halftime of the year is that we can kind of be refueled and restrengthened Because this is what we know of great people of faith, which you can be. When you look back over the passages of scripture and see the great heroes of our faith, they got tired, they got punched in the face, they got weary. In fact, you may be familiar with a guy named King David. Literally, he was punched in the face over and over and over and stumbled and made his own mistakes and other people tripped him up. And the scripture says that David paused and he stopped and he strengthened himself. And God came alongside him. And maybe for you this morning is, listen, I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm going to breathe deep and I'm going to invite Jesus to join me. And here's the good news. You can do that if you're a follower of Jesus. But you can do that even if you're not. Because that's Jesus' greatest desire is to be a part of your life. And so today we're gonna to talk about four questions that I think will help get us started in thinking about halftime. And we're gonna open up to a book in the New Testament, it's called Hebrews. It's an amazing book about you know, people of the faith in the past and what God can do with us in the future. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people think it was the Apostle Paul because the writing is similar, but it is amazing. And I, I think when you see what is written, it's going to be so very helpful. So we're going to jump to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and this is what it says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Now when I read that, it feels like I came in halfway through a speech or a story because it's inspiring, but I'm not really sure what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump back a couple chapters and get some context, but let me just give you a heads up. He is talking about the Hall of Fame Heroes of the Faith people that have gone before us for the last 1,000 or so years, 2,000, 3,000 years, that followed God through amazing and difficult times. And this is what he says. Go jump back to Hebrews chapter 10. He says, but we do not belong, talking about these great heroes of faith, to those who shrink back. Now, I don't know about you, but that inspires me. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, we don't belong to a people group, people that are loved by God and love God who shrink back. When they faced challenges and pain and heartache and joy and success, they didn't shrink back. They didn't go, you know, curl up in the corner. They didn't give up. They decided to lean in that God had a purpose. Do you know, do you know this? That if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not a part of a people that shrink back. You're part of some of the most courageous, brave, powerful people that have ever walked the planet. And those are your, those are your people but we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, because we're not people that get destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. It is amazing. People that have made challenges and made changes to get where God has called them to for themselves, for the people they love, and for the glory of their heavenly father. Now what the writer of Hebrews explains is this is all driven by this oh so important thing called faith. He said faith was the engine, faith was the fuel for this happening. Look what he says in in chapter 11. Now faith is confidence. Like I believe, I really think this can happen. I've got confidence that it can come through. Faith is confident in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. Let's go back to our marbles for just a minute. This is the idea that I can have faith and confidence that if God's called me to be a better dad, I daily can wake up and start working on being a better dad. And there's days, and you know this, that I don't feel like such a good dad. I didn't say the right things, I didn't do the right things, but I'm not going to stop trying. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to spend some intentional time with my kids. Maybe for for you it's your finances. I really believe I can get my finances in order. It's difficult, it's hard, but I'm believing that God can help me get to where I need to be. Maybe for you, like the thought of you being a strong, mature Christian is almost impossible for you to imagine here's what you need to know all the heroes of our faith were in that same place at one time or another but they had faith and assurance that God could do it in them it's halftime we got six months left of the year and God believes that you can do something great with your life if you just simply keep moving forward in a good direction with him and then he says this, just to accentuate the point, he says, "And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because if God doesn't come alongside us, you know we don't have anything going for us, but with faith and His power and His spirit, we can trust. In that now the writer Hebrews goes on and he walks through these amazing spiritual heroes of our faith people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and this woman named Rahab who was actually a prostitute but she's in the lineage of Jesus we could do a whole message on a prostitute being in the lineage of Jesus because that's who Jesus is he's a redeemer of the world and King David and and if you read it and I hope you do the list just goes on and on of these amazing men and women who followed God through everything in their lives. And this is how it kind of is summed up. These men and women, these were people who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength. My friends, that's you and I. Our marbles aren't where they should be because we have some weaknesses. But through the strength and love and power of God, it can be turned into a strength. These were people that faced incredible challenges. I know our lives are challenging, but these people lost their lives. They lost their resources. They watched their friends give up their lives following God. And they still were able to make it through. And I just want you to know, if you've had some hard times this year, because I've had some hard times, it's just hard right now. Don't give up. Because God is on our side and these people, their DNA is part of our spiritual family. They are our spiritual brothers and sisters and we can lean in to them. Now that's just all the background to what the writer of Hebrews is getting at for us this morning. Because we go back to chapter 12 of Hebrews and this is what we're told. Therefore, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's where we started. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And there's a separation here between things that hinder and things that entangle. Let's start with this idea of hinders. Hinders, maybe we could break it down into habits. Because habits hinder us, right? Go back to the beginning of the year, if you're around here, and if you weren't, that's fine. Maybe you had some things you were gonna work on, but some of your habits got in the way. Like you were gonna exercise consistently, but watching you know TV and eating ice cream at 10 o'clock at night, I'm not saying that's what I do, but it might be what I do, got in the way of your exercise. Maybe you said, I'm gonna get my finances and my debt, I'm gonna get a handle on it, and start spending in the right direction but you got this habit of getting on amazon.com and every time you get on amazon.com, you just start filling up your cart and you're spending on a credit card and it's gotten you off the path you wanted to go, right? It's a hindrance, it's a habit. Maybe for you, you thought, I'm gonna change some of my attitudes, I'm gonna change some of my comments, and then you got back on social media, I mean, like hard and heavy, and you're clicking and you're on everything and you're commenting and you realize what I'm saying on social media is kinda nasty and it's kinda foolish, it became a habit, right? Hebrews said, okay, okay, gotta be careful with that. You gotta throw off what hinders you. This is one of the reasons that we're told throughout the scriptures we need outside opinions in our life because sometimes, habits in our life are hard for us to see and to have some trusted people. Not just yes men, not just the same buddies we've always hung out with, but wise, maybe godly people that can say, hey, you got a habit in your life that's diverting you from what God would want for you and your family and the people you love. That's habits. They're they're hindrances and they're habits. The other huge word that he uses, a word that we're not real fond of is, Sin. He's got to get rid of that sin thing. And sin always thought starts with our thoughts, which doesn't always make sense. It's not as intuitive because you think, no, sin is an action. But we're told throughout the scriptures that sin starts in our minds. When we start to conceive a sinful idea and how to act on it, our sin starts and then it starts to come out of us and it affects our family and the people we love and the people we don't love and it causes us to make mistakes in our lives that sometimes are not easy to undo. I mean, I think about this for me when I find myself kind of off my game and words are coming out of my mouth that, like literally I can step outside myself and watch myself say it and like, where did that come from? And Matt, why did you say that? H- have you ever done that? I realize I better bring what's inside me to Jesus because it's not just what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside of me. The challenge for me is sometimes it's hard for me to see that in a mirror too. And it's again why I need some people around me that can say, hey Matt, something all right, wrong with you? Something off with you? Do we, do we need to work through something? I have some people in my life that will ask me those questions. I mean, a simple example of that was with us opening up church. So I'm going to reveal something to you that's a little bit embarrassing. We were trying to figure out when we are going to meet back here. And, you know, it's so confusing when that was supposed to happen. And we're trying to strategize. And so I was being asked by our staff and our highest level leadership team, you know, what's the date, what's the date? People want to know. And I kind of got bowled up and prideful. And I said, people will know when I tell them and that's when they need to know. That's what I said. It's embarrassing for me to say out loud. And a couple of the people that are trusted people in my life said, hey, that's not only bad leadership, that's not very good following Jesus either. And I went, you know what, you're exactly right because I'm not commander in chief. I'm supposed to serve as well as lead. And I had to get a readjustment of what was going on inside me for for you. It might be someone that loves you that says, hey, I, I notice you're drinking too much. I notice there's some things online that you're doing that really are not in line with what you value and what you believe. You're hanging out too much with her. You're hanging out too much with him and that's not healthy for your marriage or whatever else is going on in your life. And in those moments, you have a decision, I have a decision. I can get defensive, I can justify, or I can go, yep, you know what? Those are some sinful habit things that I need to get out of my lifestyle. So the question for you, the question for me is simply this, what habits are hindering you? This is a tough question because you know this, if you address your habits, you have to do something with them. Along with that, you know, what thoughts, what thoughts are entangling you? What's got you right now? And with the thoughts in our lives, you know this, we are living in a time where our thoughts are supercharged. I mean, our thoughts are amped up maybe beyond any time I have ever lived, and they can entangle us, and it can cause us to get angry and irrational. That's literally why I have to have, and I think we have to have people that can go, that's not very wise. Have you thought about what you're saying? Have you thought about how you're treating them? We need that in our lives, and Look for the next step with that. Now, back to the Hebrew writing. Um, In chapter 12, verse 1, there's so much. I mean, we could spend this entire time just on verse 1. But look how he wraps up verse 1 and goes into 2. He says, and let us, which just reaffirms we need us in our lives, let us run. Whoa, 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 man, I don't want to run. I want to walk because running's hard. At least can I get a golf cart? And there's an implication that we are supposed to run after something. Back to our marbles. This means when you set a goal in your life to be better at something, to follow after the dream Jesus has for you, it's probably not going to be easy, right? You found that out. It is probably going to be difficult. But you don't want to get to the end of your life and go, you know what? That was easy. I never risked. I never dreamed, I never hung myself out over the jagged edge for the people I love. I chased after something. That's what you wanna be able to say. I chased after a relationship with my children. I chased after a great marriage. I chased after being an example of Jesus to our world that would change my world. I chased after purity in my relationship to my wife. Whatever that may be, I dreamed and I chased after what I dreamed because you deserve better. And the people in your life deserve better. And your heavenly father deserves better. And again, this is why we need us around us because to do that, we need people cheering us on. It's literally why we tell our kids, hey, you know the crew you hang out with? That's a preview of the future, you. And you know that if you're a parent. You wanna see where the direction your life is going? Just look at the people around you. That is a consistent thing. In our lives. So back to that passage. And let us run with perseverance, with endurance, with an attitude that we're not giving up. I'm a little tired. It's halftime. Our world's a disaster, but I'm not giving up. I'm persevering. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's huge. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So here's another challenging question, not a guilt question, not a shame question, just a reflect, observe, and assess question. Where did you fix your eyes in the first half of this year? Where did you fix your eyes in the first half of this year? It's halftime. Over the last six months, where were your eyes? And maybe for you, and I feel this, we just need a little vision adjustment. Because maybe we did, we fixed our eyes on Netflix. We've watched all the Netflix series we have. Now it's time to fix our eyes more on Jesus. Maybe again for you, you fix your eyes on the news. You did not have anything else to do. And you watch the news, your side of the news, their side of the news, your own special secret news. Everybody seems to have a special secret news now these days they get secret information from. And it's got you all jacked up. What if you fix your eyes on Jesus? And Jesus became the filter for how you see the world. And how you move forward, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And here's the thing if you're not a Christian and you're with us this morning, which we're thrilled that you are, we think Jesus is the most beautiful, amazing thing to fix your eyes at in the first place because of who he is, and obviously because of what he's done for us through our forgiveness of our sin. And this is what he says about Jesus he says, For the joy set before him, and him is Jesus. And this word joy that was set before him, and you may have never thought about it this way, the joy was you. When he did what he did to save the world, you were on his mind and you were on his father's mind because nothing makes the father of the world, the father in heaven, more joyful than seeing his kids come back to him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross for you and for me scorning its shame for you and for me. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, which means if Jesus could do this for you, we could follow in his footsteps and have joy in it also. And this is the simple realization. Jesus didn't look to the cross. Jesus looked through the cross to you. I mean can you imagine him walking up that hill to that bloody rugged old cross where so many people had died and suffered how awful it was and Jesus went through all that but he wasn't looking at that cross he was looking and he was thinking about you he was thinking about me and his deep overwhelming love for us so here's the challenge don't look to the change in your life look through the change Don't look to just, hey, okay, I gotta exercise. I gotta be more forgiving. Whatever your deal is, whatever you wanna lean to, I I wanna spend more time in the scripture. I I wanna be more careful with my money. Don't look to the act. Look where it takes you. Look where it sets you up to be. Look at the joy on the other side of it. One of my favorite examples of this, if you ever watch or listen to the Dave Ramsey show on, on the radio, you know, Dave Ramsey is this financial advisor who's helped so many people get out of financial struggle and out of debt. I highly recommend, you know, listening to him, reading his books, taking his his course. It's really an incredible thing. What, what you find uh, on his radio show is people that come on and they get to scream as loud as they can, we are debt-free, I am debt-free. You know, it's a celebration and they're like going crazy. And then they go into the last two months, two years, six years, that every night they've eaten rice and beans or peanut butter and jelly, and they haven't gone out to eat in weeks, months, or years, and they've driven old cars, and they sold their expensive house to move into an apartment to save their money to pay off their student debt or their house debt, and then at the end of that, they, they have the celebration. Of, We're debt-free. And going back to the hard times, like eating rice and beans every night, doesn't even feel painful. It feels joyful because now they're debt-free, and now they can eat some steak, right? They're celebrating that. And I think there's a key to that. Don't just look at the hard part. Look at the hard part and where it takes you. I mean, look at the idea that, yeah, if you're gonna be a good husband or a good wife, you're gonna have to lay down yourself for your spouse and sacrifice and not have your opinion win every time. That's hard, that's a deposit. But what you look at is on the other side of what it's like to have a joyful marriage, a happy marriage, a marriage that's full, of love same with your parenting i mean if you're going to be a great parent you're going to have to drop some stuff in uh, in your kids life and give up some stuff of your life and invest and risk and you know hang yourself out there a little bit but when you have the opportunity to be close with your kids as adults it's joyful it's worth it it's beautiful So to wrap this whole thing up this morning, I just want to ask you four simple questions. And they're on this card, and we're going to put it on our social media page. I think it's going to show up in the chat box right next to the screen you're looking at. You can click at it and download it. I would love for these questions to be your wallpaper on your phone for the next week. It's just four things to process through this week. Take a few minutes and think about The first question is, what habit is hindering me that I need to change? And you don't have to even tell anybody today. Just think through, what habit is hindering me? Maybe it's a secret habit, a private habit, an emotional habit, a health habit. What what habit is hindering where you want to go? The second question is, what thought is entangling me that I need to adjust? What's got your brain turned inside out? What are you thinking about that you really don't want anybody to know about? And if someone found out, you'd be embarrassed or maybe you'd go to jail, right? You know, whatever's rolling around in your brain, because we have some crazy stuff that rolls around in our brain. What thought is in there I need to think about and deal with? What joy would this change bring me by the end of the year? Just think about where would it take you. To go back to I'm debt free, and you may not get there by the end of the year, but what would it look like? What would the joy in your life be if you chased after the thing that really meant the most to you? And what would that joy feel like in your life and in the lives of others? And maybe the most pivotal question that grounds all these is, today, how can I fix my eyes on Jesus? And you know this and I know this, we've got a lot of stuff going on. And what would it look like with all the chaos in our lives to be able to fix our eyes on Jesus? The truth, the one who loves us, The one who we were his joy when he went to the cross. And maybe to give you just a little bit of encouragement, what if we just pretended today that July was actually January? Isn't that cool? What if we just decided, I'm going to just act like July is January, like I'm starting the year over. I know I only have six months left, but I'm starting over. With some goals and some things I want to chase after. And this was going to be my year. The next six months were going to be my six months. And I was going to march and be one of those heroes of the faith. And not just because I'm strong enough. I can do it myself. But because I really believe through faith that God's going to join me. And his very spirit is going to be there to give me the courage to dream big and to chase after my dreams and adventures and my relationships and my relationship with him and I could do this. What if God's power really could help us get there? Here's what I think. I think he believes you can do it and I believe he thinks I can do it because if he didn't believe in us, I'm not sure he would have given his life for us. I think he can redeem our lives for something that is incredible and beautiful. He's for you. He believes in you cares about you and he wants what's best it won't be easy but it is possible and we're at halftime and we're at halftime and it's time to refuel and assess and be inspired to chase after it we're about to jump into a song and the opening of the song it says he will not fail you talking about your heavenly father And as we sing that song, I hope you can start thinking about these questions and figure out how to join your heavenly father through Jesus in this journey to be where he wants us to be, because he loves us. And I love you too. Let me pray for you. Heavenly father, I am so grateful that the writer of Hebrews gave us an insight. To the heroes of our faith, that we are literally part of a family of God that have conquered and overcome just about everything through your power and your love and your strength. So give us the courage, God, to take these steps and give us the wisdom to know what steps we need to do when we think about the things that are habits that aren't healthy and the thoughts that are sinful. And let us step into a better relationship with you and the people in our world. Thanks for your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.